Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Everybody's got a to-do list. I get one from my wife. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk, figure out something to get out of the house so I can relax. Here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. The good thing, you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com and in 15 minutes you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Do you like extra money in your pocket? Do you like not having to drive somewhere to pick something up? This is the way to do it. It just may be the most rewarding thing on your to-do list today. That's geico.com. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 731.20. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details. Broadcasting from the Mercedes Man Cave. This is Dan Patrick. Ah, welcome to the program. Hour two, Dan and the Danettes. Dan Patrick Show. Happy New Year. We chopped it up in the first hour. We checked in on the Patriots, the future of Tom Brady in New England. We'll uh, talk to Kirk Cousins of the Vikings. Uh, Kirk Warner. Kurt Warner and Kirk Cousins will be joining us uh, this hour. And uh, your phone calls are welcome, best and worst of the weekend. This program brought to you by Mercedes-AMG. Be prepared for whatever comes your way. The all-new GT four-door coupe, because life is a race. You can uh, visit your local dealership for a test drive today. If you missed any of the interviews from the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave, go to the Dan Patrick Show app, Mercedes-AMG Driving Performance. Paulie told me, do not check email or social media because he has breaking news. Dan, we're going to play the breaking news game. It's new for 2020. Okay. This is from Jay Glazer, our buddy at Fox Sports. Scoopage alert. The Dallas Cowboys have agreed to terms with blank to be their new head coach. Mike McCarthy. The Dallas Cowboys have agreed with Mike McCarthy to be their new head coach. Announcement and press conference expected later this week, according to Jay Glazer. Hmm. It's over, Johnny. What were the odds in Vegas, though? Because I thought Lincoln Riley was even odds as the favorite to become the next that was That was actually two days ago, and I couldn't. I emailed the Action Network to see if they updated, and they hadn't updated it yet. Okay. So, yeah, and McCarthy was like third at that time. What? When did Mike McCarthy all of a sudden become this hot ticket? Because nobody had talked about him at all. And then all of a sudden, because I said, whatever happened to Mike McCarthy? Then Peter King did a profile on him. The Browns brought him in for an interview, and Dallas has just hired him to be their next head coach. Yeah, Steve. This is where Lincoln Riley's next press conference is. Look, I was never going anywhere. I don't want to go anywhere. I love it here. I'm going to be here for a long time, okay? That was just all. I'm. Trust me, I'm staying. Well, I, I thought he's disappointed because he couldn't have his press conference today and the Cowboys announce it tomorrow. <laughs> I just want to let you know that I'm uh, I'm taking my name out. You know, I, I, I want to stay here with Oklahoma. He's uh, Kirk D. Cousins, the Vikings quarterback, and that's a big, big win against New Orleans over the weekend and uh, kind enough to join us. How are you feeling today? Oh, I'm feeling good. Uh, lost my voice yelling in the Superdome yesterday, but uh, <laughs> doing well, and now we got a short week, and the teams don't get any easier from here. I was wondering about that on the game-winning drive, how loud it was, because I could hear you like you were yelling. Like, how loud was it trying to call a play? 
Yeah, that was the loudest game I've ever played in, college, pro. I mean, I played in Seattle three times, played in the Superdome multiple times before that, but for whatever reason, that was just different. It was louder. Um, after the first drive of the game, I was regretting that we hadn't used the silent cadence under center all, <laughs> in practice all week because I was screaming, and my voice cracked a bunch like a high schooler. So uh, I was just screaming at the top of my lungs, and, and uh, it was just different than any other game I'd played in. You weren't looking at anybody else other than Kyle Rudolph, so I'm assuming that that play was designed for him. Well, you know, based on the defensive look and with the, with the all-out blitz they brought, um, the ball had to go to him. Obviously, with other other looks, you know, it would have been different. But uh, ball went to him, and, and at that point, it's just a you know mano y mano, one on one, and the ball goes up, and, and you hope your guy can go get the rebound, and he certainly did. What did you think when uh, – now they obviously review all scoring plays, but then they were looking at pass interference. Yeah, with the way the game had gone, I expected it to be he didn't get two feet in or he didn't complete the catch or there was pass interference and we're going to have a 10-minute review. And I, that's what I was expecting. So I actually, you know, uh, went over to the sideline and sat down on the bench thinking that they were going to take 10 minutes to talk about it. And then Kevin Stefanski came over after about 20 seconds and said – Kirk, we uh, we won the game, and I looked up and, and I looked up and saw that you know it looked like the, a post game scene. So I thought, all right, that's good enough for me. So it was uh, it was certainly a unique ending. Do you understand pass interference any better this year than you did last year? You know, I I do think that the ability to in a really crucial moment go back and look at it has proven valuable this year. Um, there have been a couple times where I've been glad that. Coach Zimmer's been able to throw a flag to at least try to get it right if there's a chance to. Um, but there's been other times where, you know, we didn't challenge and I would have liked it or uh, it just proves ridiculous a little bit when uh, there really wasn't enough to go off of, but we're going to take five to ten minutes to talk about it. But um, all in all, you know, it hasn't changed a lot, but I, I don't know that it's made it a lot worse either. You gave us, uh, you like that in uh, the post-game, the locker room speech. Um, you gave the, the fans and teammates what they wanted. When's the first time you used that expression, you like that? <laughs> it started when I was, uh, uh, my roommate, Tom Compton, who played for the Jets this year. We were roommates together in Washington before I got married. And uh, uh, we would say it to each other, just joking around. Uh, whatever we did, we'd say, oh, you love that or you like that. And, and I, you know, he'd look at me and be like, yeah, I do. So what? Um, but somehow it just morphed into that one game, you know, when we had to come back against the Buccaneers in 2015. And I knew that, you know, a lot of people didn't think I belonged as the quarterback. And, um, and so when we won, it just felt like validation or vindication. And I just said, you know, you may not like me, but you like that. And, uh, and it, it just kind of took off from there, I guess, because of social media. And yeah, I haven't really played to it much since. Don't really need to, but I guess yesterday's game, uh, it just kind of came out again. Did you trademark it? Uh, we we did years ago, but I think to keep the trademark, you have to prove use of it. We certainly haven't put it to use a lot, so I, I don't know if that's even a valid trademark anymore. Well, wait, wait. You put it to use over the weekend. <laughs> I guess so, but from a business standpoint, which is why you trademark <laughs> it, I, I haven't done a lot with it, so I probably couldn't. Couldn't keep the trademark. <laughs> what was the house like when you got back home? Yeah, you know, my, my boys were asleep, but uh, uh, it was great to get home. You know, my wife was on cloud nine, and uh, 
Um, that's at life in the NFL. I mean, it's, it is every single week, you know, certainly in the playoffs, but even the regular season, it's, it's the highest, the highs, the lowest, the lows, if you win or lose. And, uh, you know, when you get back to your phone after the game and you got 200 text messages, um, wow. you know, it's, it's fun. It's special. And, uh, you just are reminded of all the people in your life who, who are not just uh, watching, but they're really in your corner and cheering you on. There are certain players in certain sports where it doesn't matter what they do during the regular season. It's about the postseason. Yeah. And, and you're one of those quarterbacks. It doesn't, you know, Tony Romo was like this, that, that you're almost like the newer version of Tony Romo where it's like, okay, great regular season, good regular season. But it is a compliment to you because we, we want to wait to see what you do in a big moment because that you've faced all of that criticism. And even now, after that win against that team in that building, now you're going to still have people say, okay, but can he do it in San Francisco? Sure. But sure, I, I hear you, and I, I don't know that I'm I'm the only one. I mean, I was talking to Troy Aikman before the game this week and said, you know, um, the fact that, you know, when you guys were playing, it was the 49ers, you played that entire season, and it really didn't matter what your records were. Everybody expected the 49ers and Cowboys to be in the NFC Championship game, and that was pretty much going to define the entire year, who won that game. So I said it's, it's got to be tough, you know, to play – uh, yeah. you know, 17, 18 games, and you can be 18-1, and one, but if you don't beat the 49ers and Steve Young, the season was a failure. So, you know, that's that's life in the big city. That's professional sports in general. And, uh, you know, America loves winners. So uh, whoever's standing at the end and there's only one team, you know, that's the one that gets celebrated. And just about everybody else walks away feeling like they left something on the table. It felt like in the moment and even the, uh, the analysts were saying the biggest throw of your career was the one to Thielen. Uh, in overtime, would you say? Yeah. Would you agree? Well, you know, certainly uh, uh, when I'm dropping back and making the throw, I don't feel that. But uh, but then when you step back and you, and you understand the importance, like you just said, of the playoffs and late in the year and that kind of a thing, um, you know, certainly the outside world it carries more weight. But uh, uh, you know, from my perspective, there were there were a lot of other throws along the way that mean just as much. Well, congrats. Uh, rest the voice there. Are you going to be working on the silent count this week? Yeah, you know, we'll be right back at it in another hostile environment. So we've got to, uh, like you said, you know, work on the silent count and uh, have a plan. I mean, they're they're the number one seed for a reason, and uh, we'll have our hands full. And, you know, they only lost three games, and all three of them came down to, I think, the final play. So uh, um, it, it's going to be a fun one. You know, it's, it's what the NFL playoffs are all about. Kirk, thank you. Congratulations. All right. Thanks, guys. Blessings to you. That's uh, Kirk D. Cousins, Vikings quarterback. Even when you win like that, even when you have a throw like that, you beat the Saints in New Orleans, you know, his critics, skeptics, are still not sold on Kirk T. Cousins in a big moment. Because I think it's still going to come down to, and their front was wonderful against the Saints. Hunter, great. You know, they, they're, they put some pressure on Drew Brees there. Run the football and puts pressure on the quarterback if you don't have to bring any more than four, four uh, rushers. If you're able to do that with the Niners, then this will go down to the wire. Run the football, play good defense, and then you have a chance. Because you know what? That's what San Francisco is going to try to do. Run the football, play great defense. Interesting formulas, though. Yeah, it is. Ravens are a run-first team, play good defense. So you're... You know, Kansas City bulked up their de- their defense got better. They've had some injuries here as of late, but you know they're playing some defense, uh, and they dearly want to establish a running game there as well because you want to take time off the clock. There's nothing more debilitating 
than a team that continues to run it down your throat. Baltimore does it. San Francisco does it. You saw the Titans do it. Seattle can do it. Although Seattle has lost a couple of running backs and beast mode came in. Uh, Russ can run as well. But, you know, running the football, it's, it's still an important ingredient for these teams in the playoffs. Maybe not as much during the regular season. Postseason, it is. Yes, McLovin. I saw an interesting contrarian take that as much as Derrick Henry dominated the Patriots, they only scored 14 points. Now, they kept it out of Brady's hands, but, like, running doesn't really – it doesn't get a lot of points, but you can win the game. Does that make any sense? But what you want to do, and you go back to the game plan that Belichick and Parcells came up with to beat the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl. Run the ball, keep them off the field, so when they get on the field, then they're a little more desperate to make something happen. And and this happens to Kansas City, where you get Mahomes out there, now he's got to make, now it feels like you're you're putting a little more pressure on him from the standpoint of you got to make something happen here. Because if not, they're getting the ball back, and they may control the clock for seven minutes. By the way, speaking of controlling the clock, Mike Vrabel turning the tables on Bill Belichick. This obscure rule where, you know, you got, what, four and a half, five minutes left, and then Vrabel is taking two minutes off the clock, and then you go, there's going to be a false start penalty here, and then there's a false start penalty on purpose, and Belichick is not happy. But, but I, you know, the thing is, is what could he be upset about? He's used the rule before, and that's where Vrabel probably under, you know, got it from. But I, I just, I don't think Belichick had a great year. I don't think he had, you know, that wasn't a great game yesterday as well. Even if they're not scoring points, you're not stopping Derrick Henry. And because of that, your offense is not getting back out there. Yeah, Paul. You guys think, and this might be an obvious one, but that there's like a, a, a rules person or a, a clock person on each team that advises the coaching staff of situations like this? Because in a moment to know that before five minutes left, you can keep taking uh, delay of games and the clock will keep running, to know that rule as a head coach, Rabel, seems something he wouldn't have in his head. It seems like to be like some advisor, some kid upstairs going, there's a rule here that we can take advantage of. I don't know if you could do it in the moment because the players knew that you have to have a full start. Like, that, that felt like it was practiced. It, it really did. And, you know, this might be just the Patriot way that Vrabel absorbed. And Tony Romo did a wonderful job explaining it. He and Nance had a great game. They really did. Yes, he uh, Back to your point about Bill Belichick having a bad day yesterday. Um, did he have a worse day than Josh McDaniels? Because Josh McDaniels is running that offense, and he couldn't come up with one play from the goal line to get in the end zone. Really? Yeah. And that's you don't have one go-to play to punch it in? Really? But that's where, you know, everybody's going, oh, Josh McDaniel's going to get head coaching opportunities. And I'm going, not based off this year. Yeah, McClellan. Yeah, I would say Belichick did a good job letting O'Brien and McDaniel's out of the building. He shouldn't have let Vrabel out of the building. That was, I mean, Vrabel is scary. He did well. But Bill O'Brien, too. Talking about clock management and stuff like that. I'm not sold on Bill O'Brien. In-game Bill O'Brien seems to struggle a little bit. Yeah, I'm not... I mean, they, they got really fortunate. They were lucky there. Uh, and, you know, the fact that you have two Buffalo Bill players who collide at the same time on Deshaun Watson, they actually kept him upright. If one guy hits him, he goes down. But they bookended him, so he, he stayed up and had the biggest play of his career. And he had a bad postseason last year, but uh, he's fun to watch. I just worry about him long term, you know, trying to keep him healthy. Uh, this in from uh, Ian Rappaport, the rap sheet on uh, 
NFL Network. Will Fuller, uh, the Texans, the Niners, D. Ford, potentially Quan Alexander, the linebacker, and the Ravens, Mark Ingram, all expected to be healthy enough to play in the divisional round of the playoffs. So uh, that's from Ian Rappaport. Uh, Cowboys got a new head coach, Mike McCarthy. Hmm. Interesting. You know, I start to think back on Mike McCarthy because, you know, the much maligned Mike McCarthy, you know, he won one Super Bowl. He sort of, I, it felt like McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers, very similar to uh, Drew Brees and Sean Payton. Both have one Super Bowl. They probably have similar number of uh, division championships. And Brees and Rodgers, similar in putting up big numbers here. And it felt like McCarthy, you know, the, the feeling you got, from Aaron Rodgers, like he was openly contempt of Mike McCarthy, that the game had passed Mike McCarthy by, it felt like, because Aaron Rodgers is not on the same page with you. Um, but McCarthy talked analytics with Peter King, and, and it felt like there was this, I'm, I'm away from the game for a little while. I got a chance to see where this league is going, and I'm going to embrace analytics. He went skinny jeans. He's like an old guy wearing, <laughs> wearing skinny jeans who could appear to look younger for a job interview. Yeah, and I think he probably said, I've been listening to Lizzo and Post Malone. This new <laughs> vegan diet <laughs> is really helping out. <laughs> this keto diet is yeah. really working out now. Well, now that I'm vegan, I just have this clarity. <laughs> probably driving a Tesla or something like that. The, uh, the all-new Mike McCarthy has taken over Dallas Cowboys. I love the Post Malones. They're the best. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll take a break. Kurt Warner will join us coming up on Loan from the NFL Network. We'll get to uh, phone calls, best and worst of the weekend. We'll give you our best and worst of the weekend. Coming up on 18 after the hour, this is the Dan Patrick Show. The holidays are over. It's a brand new year. If you're thinking about the high interest credit cards you used over the holidays and the bills that will be coming, here's an idea to ease your mind. Pay off your credit card balances and save with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Lightstream's credit card consolidation loans have rates as low as 5.95% APR with AutoPay, much lower than the national average interest rate, which is over 20% APR. Plus, there are absolutely no fees, no application fees, no origination fees, no transaction fees, no prepayment penalties. Just for my listeners, you can apply now and get a special interest rate discount. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Patrick. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M. Dot com slash Dan Patrick, D-A-N-P-A-T-R-I-C-K. It's a new year. It's time to get organized. you got to check out Lightstream. Subject to credit approval, rates include 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit Lightstream.com slash Dan Patrick for more information. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 731.20. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details. Mario just pass this note on to me. We have a lot of calendars here. I'm going to guess probably 75 to 100 calendars. 
Now, we will sign everything. I did tell you there was a cutoff date that we wouldn't be able to get them out for Christmas. We will sign all of the calendars. We will send those out. And, uh, in fact, after the show, we have quite a few calendars to sign. But we've been signing those this morning. We appreciate your patience. But we did tell you we wouldn't be able to get those out in time for the holidays. And we've been on break. I did encourage Mario to maybe come in on his uh, vacation. And uh, he said that he would uh, rather wait until we all came back. So I finally got him in yesterday to go through some more calendars. By the way, somebody sent in a petition to get Mario a pay raise, and uh, this person signed it. Uh, he'll be the only person signing that uh, pay denied. raise. Denied. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to sign it as denied. Yeah, Mario. Phony. Yeah. So the reason why your calendars aren't out there is, uh, is not necessarily Mario's fault. A lot of it is, but not all of it is, okay? Because he didn't want to come in over the holidays to think about you, the audience. Selfish. Yes. All righty. Uh, we'll get to your phone calls. We'll give you our best and worst of the weekend coming up. Uh, the Hall of Famer, Kurt Warner, on loan from the NFL Network, joining us on the program. Good morning, Kurt. The Cowboys have a new head coach. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I just saw that. You know, interesting for, to me. I mean, I think one part of it, I think he's got a good presence, a big presence about him, obviously won a Super Bowl. So I think that meshes well with what Jerry Jones does there, his presence there. Uh, I think the thing that maybe surprised me a little bit is uh, you have a lot of innovation this year with, with Kellen Moore. And you kind of thought with Dak and Zeke and what they wanted to be and the, kind of the, the nature of where the league is going that they may get a younger guy with more of that offensive flair um, to him because I think the one knock on Mike McCarthy when towards the end of his time uh, in Green Bay was he didn't have a lot of that. It was kind of a stagnant offense. Yeah. Now, I know he's done a lot and researched a lot of the league, and, and maybe he's coming in with a lot of innovation. But that was the one part that surprised me. But understand it from a presence standpoint, kind of coach you need to be around Jerry Jones. Yeah, I just, I'm curious about that relationship, but also, more importantly, the relationship with uh, a younger quarterback who's not going to the Hall of Fame anytime soon, as Aaron Rodgers is. You got a great running back as well. I, I'm just curious, Mike McCarthy's offensive philosophy, if it didn't jive with uh, Aaron Rodgers, what makes you think it'll work in uh, in Dallas? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm fully with you. You know, when I watched it, uh, you know, at Green Bay, and you know, just felt like a lot of it was dependent on their quarterback and Aaron Rodgers to make special plays. Now, uh, I think that's where Aaron sometimes is at his best, and so maybe it catered that direction because of him. But I agree with you. I, I don't think Dak's there yet where he can continually create opportunities in the passing game for his team. And so you have to create some things for him and off of the running game. As Kellen Moore, I thought, did really well early in the year. Yeah. Um, and that's when Dak was playing his best. So, again, I'm, I'm fascinated by that part of it, too, and what the offense will look like. Is he going to bring somebody with kind of that younger flair to, uh, to work with him on that? Uh, I'm interested to see how that all plays out. Where is Tom Brady playing next year, in your opinion? Uh, uh, to me, he's either playing in New England or he's not playing. And, you know, I kind of took that, you know, when he made that comment, like, uh, you know, hopefully unlikely, I think is what he said in his press conference, hopefully unlikely that he's retiring. That, to me, meant 
hopefully we get something done here in New England uh, where I don't have to retire because I can't come back here. I just I think it's so hard to go somewhere else, especially when you look at different situations around the league, and think you're going to have the success that they had in New England or the standard of excellence that Tom has set. To expect that in another place quickly, you know, it's always a process in building a culture and building a standard of excellence. And I don't know if there's a, a fit out there that I go, oh, well, if he goes here, they automatically, you know, with what they have around him, would be a championship contender. And I'm just not sure Tom wants to go and be a part of that kind of rebuilding. And does he have enough time left to feel like he can rebuild, even if it takes, you know, two, three years, you know, tops? Yeah, I look at the Chargers, and maybe it's just wishful thinking from uh, folks in Los Angeles that go, yeah, he'd be the perfect quarterback, and we've got all these toys. You've got a good tight end. You've got two good wide receivers, a couple of running backs there, and you put him in, and we move into a new stadium. I mean, it all sounds like a Hollywood ending there. I just don't know if – I'm with you. I think Brady either plays with the Patriots or he doesn't play again. But I don't know if there's part of him that says, hmm – Maybe I haven't gotten as much credit as I deserve. Or let me show them that, which is dangerous, but, you know, egos do play a role here. And maybe Belichick's saying, yeah, yeah I'm the genius here. I can, uh, I can build this again with somebody else. Because we don't look at age with a coach the way we look at age as a quarterback. So we think that Belichick can coach five more years and age doesn't have anything to do with it. I fully agree. There's no question ego plays into to all of us as players, competitors, whatever we do when we're at the top of our game. Yeah, ego plays into it. And I, I fully believe that there would be a part, if the parting did happen, that both of them would relish here. Let me show what I mean to an organization or what I meant to that New England organization outside of the other guy. But as you said, I think it's very dangerous territory because if the split happens and either aren't successful, now they are looked upon possibly a little bit differently than they were uh, during their time together. So uh, I agree, you know, competitors, ego, all of that stuff says, yeah, let me go show everybody I can do it somewhere else. Um, But I just think, yeah, as you said, dangerous uh, big-picture legacy question as well. And not that maybe either of them are even worried about that, but I do think that comes into play when we're talking about ego as well. NFL Network uh, analyst, uh, Westwood One analyst, and Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner joining us on the show. Uh, Comfortable with the pass interference not being called on Kyle Rudolph and that game-winning score? Uh, Not really, because we we have it in place. Uh, I just really felt like that's the moment. That's why we put it in place. Uh, And I understand they were hand-fighting a little bit. If you want to call it offsetting, call it offsetting, as I saw a couple times this year. But he fully extended a hand, and he fully got separation and pushed the DB back on, again, the the biggest play in the playoffs up to that point. So you were to to overturn that? I would have. Yeah, I, I think it was obvious pass interference and let them go play mm-hmm. another down. Um, and, again, I understand all year long it's been what it's been, and I think a lot of us feel like it's been a sham from the get-go that they weren't really going to uh, to call it like we thought they were going to call it, and it got to the point where they weren't overturning anything. I, I get all of that. But to me, that was the moment that you put it in for. And I did feel like there was a definite offensive advantage where the defender – and I look at it the opposite way. If I felt the defender did that same thing and pushed the, the, the offensive guy and made the interception, I think without a doubt 
they throw that flag. So to me, you have to flip it and say the same thing with the ball in the air, and I thought they should have overturned and let him go again. Give me the road team, since we had three road teams win this weekend and another road team that went into overtime. Give me the road team that you like the best to pull off the win this uh, next weekend. Um, I guess I have to say Seattle. Um, you know, again, I think Minnesota may be the best team top to bottom um, going any, anywhere. I just I want to see it a couple weeks in a row for them to play like they did yesterday. I mean, they dominated, I thought, in a lot of phases yesterday. I want to see that again going on the road to San Francisco. Um, I look at Green Bay, and I say they're a good team, not a great team. And, you know, with Russell Wilson, they always find ways to keep it close. So I just feel like that could be nature with the weather and all of that stuff, a close football game where Russell Wilson could have that one possession to do what he does so well and possibly pull off the upset. Yeah, and we just had Kirk Cousins on, and I said, no matter what you do during the regular season, it's just like <laughs> Tony Romo. Like, we, we don't care. He could throw for 40 touchdowns. Yep. He could throw for 50 and, and it, you just say, yeah, but let me see what you do in the playoff. Like Matt Stafford. And even though you had that win against New Orleans in that building for a 13-win team, I think the critics are still going, yeah, but, you know, yeah. right? And, and, I, and I think everybody wants to see, too. Like, I always kind of gauge a franchise quarterback by situations where you have to carry your team with your right arm. In the biggest moments, nothing else is going on, and you've got to go swing for swing with another guy. And, you know, I still think we're kind of waiting for that with Kirk. I thought it was just the perfect game the way it played out, and I thought he played an unbelievable game yesterday. But the game was close throughout. He was never asked to have to carry that team yeah. throw for throw, and I think that's what we want to see. You know, that to me is what puts you over the top when you can look at a guy and go, oh, my gosh, there it is. Right there, he threw 45 times. They needed every throw, and he made every throw to get a big win for his team against another great quarterback or in the playoffs. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. We're still looking and, and saying, okay, you still got to do more in the playoffs to get your due. Good to talk to you, Kurt. My best to the family, and uh, we appreciate your time as always. Thanks, my man. Catch you down That's, the road. Uh, Kurt Warner, NFL Network analyst and, of course, Hall of Fame quarterback. I did feel bad for J.J. Watt. Because it wasn't his fault that ESPN was desperate to get J.J. Watt into the storyline. But, you know, every network does this. For some reason, it was, hey, uh, Deshaun Watson just had an unbelievable play. I wonder what J.J. Watt thought of that. Hey, the Texans just jumped off sides. I wonder what J.J. Watt thought of that. And then you get to the point where you're going, stop. Stop trying so hard. You know what? I... I realized that they were showing J.J. Watt too often when Paulie got tired of seeing J.J. Watt. That was between us. <laughs> I went, oh, my God, Paulie is sick of seeing J.J. Watt. And it's not his fault. You know, but they were just, they were trying so hard. And it, and it wasn't, you know, it was DeAndre Hopkins. It was uh, Deshaun Watson. I, I thought the defense, other players, uh, you know, they, they played a larger role here. Ben J.J. He had the sack, but, man, it felt like every time. I was waiting for, like, the New England game. Hey, I wonder what J.J. Watt thinks of what's happening with the Patriots. And then it's a cutaway of J.J. at home or something. Yeah, Paul. Who was the color commentator for the Texans game? I, I can't remember who did that one. That was Booger McFarland. Okay, what, Booger? I, I think he said it is one of his best moments of the game. He goes, he goes I don't even care if, Deshaun, uh, uh, if DeAndre Hopkins is covered. 
just throw to him. If Hopkins is covered, just throw to him and nobody else. He even said, he goes, this is a waste of time throwing to these other guys because they are so far inferior to him. In the first half, I think he had two targets or something. Yeah, he didn't have any catches, but he's the, the best second-half receiver in football. Yes, McLeod. Is that kind of like when Troy Aikman said having Taysom Hill on the field was a bad idea right oh, no. before he threw a 50-yard pass? Well, no, he said it was. That was that was not good. I think he said anytime you take Drew Brees off the field, I'm against it. And then Taysom Hill has the 50-yard uh, completion. Yeah, Where do you stand on Taysom Hill? Are you pro-Taysom Hill? Or... Oh, I'm fascinated by him. I, I just don't know what he does well. Like, I, I don't know if you go, he's always going to have a, is he like Troy Brown with the Patriots where, hey, I'm waiting for him to play defensive back or linebacker at some point. Free safety, yes. He, he's got one of the most fascinating careers going, Taysom Hill. Because when you just watch, he's lining up at quarterback, then he's wide receiver, then he's special teams. He's like, <laughs> like, oh, my God, what? Oh, I'm team Taysom. All I, over the place. I just, I'm fascinated by him. Yeah, Paul. But that long pass that Taysom Hill had, I saw people on social media going, there, he can, you can't pass? Oh, he can't pass? He threw the, under threw the ball about four yards, and it was lucky it wasn't inter, inter, oh, intercepted. Oh, yeah. Or at least knocked down, deflected, because his receiver's wide open in that situation. Yes, McLeod. Then there were some people on Twitter calling for the Saints to bench Breeze for oh, Bridgewater. Then Breeze completed like 14 passes in a row. Yeah, I, know. I mean, just went nuts. I told you to stay on social media when you're watching games. You can't help it with these storylines. I know. I, I, I'm not on it. I don't want to be on it. I, I would just rather, because you guys give me the, the details the next day or the next, you know, two days later, whatever. I'm like, okay, download me. What, what exactly uh, was, was said on social media? And then you guys would just give me the topic, you know, the hot topic that people were on. But uh, I, I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Yeah. yeah. But the Texans-Bills game was over about four times before it was actually <laughs> over on social media. Which I didn't understand. They, well, they when, never ran out of time. The game kept going forever. Yeah. Why do they have a clock in overtime? If if you're going to you're going to, there's no there's no halftime of overtime, is there? Oh, and the artist performing at halftime of overtime is Nickelback. Yes, McLaughlin. I also felt like the Texans won the game with about two minutes left. The announcers were starting to you know say, "Well, the Bills yeah. have better luck next year." Then they came right back. It's amazing how twenty seconds of the NFL can feel like a long time. Oh boy, and Josh Allen. I, again, I, I said this, my favorite quarterback is Jameis Winston, and, and not for the reasons that you would think. I just find him the most fascinating quarterback, that he can be absolutely unbelievable and absolutely horrible. And that can be, you know, in like one series to the next, not necessarily game to game or quarter to quarter. And Josh Allen, at times, is just fascinating. I mean, you can see where Buffalo fell in love with him and said, that dude is fearless. He is at times reckless. Uh, he's not afraid. He's got an unbelievable arm. And he goes against conventional wisdom a lot of time. Because he, he was winning the game and losing the game for them. Uh, but you can see that there, there are pieces there where you could really, you know, if, if he continues to, to learn, grow, be smarter, that you have that potential of a really, really special player. And I would use him the way the Ravens use Lamar Jackson. You know, until he gets hurt, I would just use him. And, and that's what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson. At some point, he's going to get hurt. But I'm going to ride him as long as I can with this style because that's the style he's comfortable in.
All right, your phone calls are next. We'll give you our best and worst of the weekend. Uh, movie reviews from uh, our vacation as well. I gave you my music reviews, spent a good portion of my vacation uh, with music from Lizzo and Post Malone with my uh, daughters. Dance parties a couple nights uh, on vacation. <laughs> now, that's not Lizzo. I don't know Lizzo. You know Lizzo. I, I actually heard one of her songs uh, a week ago. It's good. I thought it was good. She's entertaining. Seton is uh, giving me scrunchy face. This is going to be, if you, like, the only thing worse you could do right now than not like Lizzo is, like, go after Taylor Swift. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. don't do that. Yeah, or In-N-Out Burger, apparently. Oh, yeah. Seton, what are you doing? Touching all these hot topics yeah. here. They're coming after you. Sometimes you just don't get it. Yeah. Uh, we'll come back. Your phone call is coming up next, Dan Patrick Show. It's the greatest time of the year in sports. NFL, college football, MLB, NBA, and NHL. What else can a sports fan ask for? All the action you want is every day at one place and one place only. BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag. Use promo code PODCAST1 for your 50% off welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on all this incredible action at BetOnline.ag. That's BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Hey, listeners, just wanted to take a minute to thank all our great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting this podcast. We certainly couldn't do it without either of you. And I wanted to remind you that you can support our sponsors by going to our show page at podcastone.com, clicking on the Support This Podcast button, and there you will see all our wonderful sponsors that help make this show possible. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and, of course, supporting. And now, back to the show. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 731.20. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details. Couple of phone calls here. AJ in Cincinnati, best and worst of the weekend. What's on your mind, AJ? Happy 2020, Dan and the Danettes. Thank you, AJ. Same to you. Thank you. Uh, my best of the weekend, Cincinnati native, elder high school grad, Kyle Rudolph's game winning touchdown in overtime over the Saints. I'm glad the referees, you know, kept the flag in their pocket, let the players play. You could have called, like Kurt Warren said, I would have called it offset setting if they wanted to. Worst of the weekend. Uh, New England getting uh, played by the Titans, especially Mike Rabel, genius, you know, running a couple minutes off the clock, and Derrick Henry. Man, man, the Patriots defense did not want to tackle him. Thanks. No, they didn't. There are certain times when you'll see a defense, and there are certain running backs that you can tell, like Leonard Fournette when he was in college, there were teams that did not want to tackle him. They just, they didn't. You would see defensive backs that looked like they were trying to slow down so they didn't try to catch him because they didn't want to tackle him. Jerome Bettis was another running back who was like that, or Campbell was like that. Certain running backs where you go, oh, this is going to hurt. This is really going to hurt. Yeah, McClellan. They got like business decisions, right? <laughs> Adrian Peterson, that's a business yes. decision. I'm going to let him go. Uh, watch a little bit of NBA on uh, my break. I went to Central America. I went to Belize. 
Where exactly is Belize? I don't know. But my kids, uh, my oldest, two oldest said, we wanna, we'd want to. we like to go to Belize. And I said, all right, where's Belize? Um, Belize is uh, in Central America. I think it borders Guatemala. All I know, it's, it's kind of a melting pot there with uh, where we were. But uh, people were wonderful. Weather was great. But it's, it's uh, remote. Um, you have to... You know, take a plane in, and then you take another smaller plane, and you go to San Pedro, and uh, went to the Mayan ruins, uh, which was great. No, it was it was uh, nice and relaxing there. But you know, they speak English. Uh, you're able to get TV, cable. You know, so it's you know, you're not in you know some foreign country from the standpoint of you're not sure what's you know, the languages or customs or any of those things, but people were really warm, and uh, and so was the weather. Yeah, Paul. Are you big in Belize? Do you get recognized? I did. I did. Absolutely. Buffalo Wild Wings? Um, no, I uh, I was at the supermarket, and uh, a, a gentleman named Darwin, who lives there, and he kept uh, walking up and down. Whatever aisle I was in, he kept walking up and down, and he would just stare at me. And, and I didn't know what was going on here. And then I finally got up to the register, and Darwin came up with his wife and two kids and said, I think I know who you are. And I go, oh, okay. And he goes, I love you, an Adam Sandler movie. He didn't know the sports stuff. He just knew that I was in Adam. So there are more people who knew me from Adam Sandler movies in Belize than, uh, than you know, being a uh, award-winning sportscaster. Yes, Todd? So you didn't say Belize stop following me? No, I, I, I just said Belize Navidad. <laughs> Yeah, Belize Navidad. We're back. Yeah, we're back. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> well, you're not into humans anymore. I figure you don't need this guy following up and down the aisle. No, no, no. Belize, I, stop. No, no, no. This weekend I was not into humans. When I was on vacation, you know, you're on vacation. You have to be nice, be pleasant, and buy me a beer or something like that. Um, but, yeah, I did I watch some NBA. Uh, I was really – I knew David Stern, the former commissioner, was not doing well. And uh, I was really bummed when I'd heard he'd passed away because he – I was there uh, interviewing him in 1984. So he, his first year on the job as commissioner. And uh, I had all of the commissioners of the four sports. It never happened before. So you had baseball, basketball. So I had Pete Rozelle, David Stern. Larry Ziegler was the president of the NHL. And Bud Selig, I believe, was a baseball commissioner at the time. I don't think it was Bowie Kuhn or Faye Vincent or whoever. Uh, so we all sat down a roundtable discussion when I was working at CNN. And I uh, actually had somebody go out on the street and uh, ask people if they knew who David Stern was. And, of course, nobody did. And some people brought up Howard Stern. And so David Stern and I had – uh, a very good relationship. I think people misread our relationship. We had great respect for one another, uh, great conversations. Uh, we poked each other. Um, and he was instrumental in getting me to cover the NBA. That he went to ESPN and said, I want Dan Patrick to cover the NBA. And uh, I always appreciated that. But, you know, he wanted the right people covering his sport. I mean, it wasn't anything for me as much as I was the person he wanted because he knew that I knew the game. And, uh, but we had, we had some great conversations and I, I had great respect for him and admiration for him and his willingness to take chances. And he wasn't afraid. And I could put him, he and Pete Rozelle are probably the two greatest commissioners, you know, in history. Um, 
you know, Roselle had a vision as well, but so did David Stern, and he made the sport global. You know, the NFL is not anywhere near global like basketball is. And David had that, you know, I just remember him saying how important to be able to get this in other countries where you wouldn't be able to get this. And and to be able to have kids, you wouldn't know it until 10 or 15 years down the road, the impact like the Bulls had on, on kids who were growing up to play. Or, you know, uh, Luka Doncic talks about seeing Manu Ginobili and how it affected him and, and how he wanted to play and learning the Euro step. And that, that's David Stern. Um, and Adam Silver's continued that. But uh, you know, my thoughts, uh, certainly prayers, condolences to uh, David's family. Uh, he, he was nothing but professional with me. And the, and the story I love to tell with David is the time that I went in, because we were talking about the new season, and he said, you know, come on in, you know, let, let, uh, let's talk. So I go into his office, all wood paneling. And I'm with one of his uh, assistants there. And uh, I'm hearing him yelling. I don't know where he's yelling, who he's yelling at, but he's screaming. And all of a sudden, a door opens that's wood paneling that doesn't, it's, doesn't look like a door. And he comes in, and he goes, those you know, GD contractors, God, I don't like contractors. And then... He sat down, and then we just started talking. I'm going, what just happened here? Because he's airing somebody out like they really did something bad, and he walks in, and it's like, hey, I left it in that other room. But uh, he was always he was always somebody gave me I had his you know his cell number. Uh, he said, look, anything you know, you got a question with something? If I can help you with something, if it's off the record, you know, I'll help you. And he was always there, always there. So lost a. Uh, a great man there, great commissioner as well. We'll uh, ask the question to Mark Slareth, did the Cowboys get the right guy in Mike McCarthy? Tua Tonga-Bailoa has to make his decision. Should he stay or should he go? I'll give you my thoughts on that. More of your phone calls, and we'll give you our best and worst of the weekend. All of that coming up, final hour, this Monday edition. There are things that should not be. Copycat killers. They exist. Those who are compelled to turn bloody fiction into a real-life horror story. He's inspired by the Joker. They do it because the acts give them power and control. The license to kill. Life imitates art. And unfortunately, so does death. Real the Podcast One, who brought you Murder Made Me Famous, comes the next great true crime podcast. Copycat Killers. Join host Dr. J. Buzz Von Orensteiner as he analyzes true crimes based on Hollywood hits. New episodes every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 73120. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details.